Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's February 12, 1554, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. She was only a teenager, she hadn't asked to be queen, and she really did believe in Protestantism. But today in history, Edward VI's cousin, Lady Jane Grey, named in his will as his successor to the throne, was beheaded, having been Queen of England for just nine days before the Privy Council went, oops, sorry, we made a mistake, we'll have Catholic Queen Mary instead, please. Yeah, and even by the standards of the day of your execution, the 12th of February did not get off to a good start for Jane. She had been imprisoned in the Tower of London along with her husband Guildford. He was beheaded that morning at Tower Hill and the cart bearing the decapitated corpse and head passed by outside her window and she saw it. It's also grim and yet almost slapstick. Like then she gets to the... Um, execution and she blindfolds herself and then she just couldn't find her way to the block so there is this almost her having to stumble around and find her way to her own demise which is I mean it's terrible. Her last words are reported to be what shall I do where is it as she searched right. for the block for her own head to be cut off. Yeah. It's, it's touching isn't it? it? It comes to an account which is an anonymous one which makes sense because it was private executions that weren't many people there and it's funny because on one hand it portrays her as being quite pious and dignified Dignified, you know, mentions that she's clutching her book, she's reciting psalms. But also you really get the impression of these final moments of what was ultimately, you know, she was a scared 17-year-old. Mm. So I think we need to talk about um, why she mm. was being executed, especially because Queen Mary, who was queen at this point, was inclined to let her live. Oh, this bit made me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I mean to cut to the chase because of cruel patriarchal politics, basically. Mm, yeah. uh, but let's go back to uh, who she is and, and why she became queen in the first place. OK, so Lady Jane Grey was born in 1536 or 37, and she was the eldest of three daughters to a couple of aristocrats. And sort of the simplest way to know her position in the world is that she was the granddaughter of King Henry VIII's younger sister, Mary Tudor. So she was in line to the throne, but not directly so. She was very well educated. She studied Greek, Hebrew, Italian and Latin. Her parents obviously gave her the kind of education that was very rare for young women to receive, but she also complained about them. It doesn't sound like she was treated very well by them. She wrote a letter to the scholar Roger Ascham, who was a family friend, when she was 14, where she described that if she failed to behave in a way that met with their approval... Quote, I am so sharply taunted, so cruelly threatened, yea, presently sometimes with pinches, nips and bobs and other ways, which I will not name for the honour I bear them, that I think myself in hell. So they're very strict and controlling, and I think this is relevant for what comes later. Mm. And so how she became queen was that Edward VI, who died at the age of 15, was the only son of Henry VIII. Henry VIII had two daughters as well, Mary and Elizabeth. 
Because he was a minor when he was a king, there was a kind of council of adults around him who were allowed to run things. And heading up the scene there was a very pushy Duke of Northumberland called Dudley, who was very keen on all of Henry VIII's reforms on the church. He was really doubling down on the Protestantism, smashing idols, etc. And he wanted his son, Guildford, that husband we mentioned earlier, to marry Jane just before Edward died. He thought if Jane marries Guildford, then we can skip over Mary as being next in line and make Jane the queen and then my son will be the king. And that was how it was that Edward's will suddenly said that he thought it would be a great idea to skip over Mary and get to Lady Jane Grey, his cousin that nobody had ever heard of. And four days after his death, Jane was proclaimed queen. She was brought to the tower and told. She fainted when she'd been told because she wasn't expecting it, then rose to her feet and (laughs) said, the crown is not my right. It pleases me not. Mary is the rightful heir. Mm. And all the men in the room were like, yeah, whatever, you're queen, sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's no wonder she was surprised. I mean, her claim, you know, she was a great-granddaughter of Henry VII. She was first cousin once removed to King Edward and to Mary and Elizabeth. That seems like a pretty weak claim compared to Mary being the actual daughter of Henry VIII. <laughs> yeah. But, crucially, Lady Jane Grey was a Protestant. And to the Protestant faction, even the most tangential Protestant claim was better than a directly related Catholic, which Mary was. And also there had been some you know, uncertainty around Mary and Elizabeth's status as heirs because the marriages that had produced them had been declared void by Henry VIII, which mm. theoretically then made them illegitimate. And this issue had already ping-ponged back and forth in three different acts of succession. And presumably to put an end to all of this, the final one, the third act of succession, stated that Jane and her sisters would only be in line to the throne if all of Henry's children died childless. And this was actually accompanied by a provision in the Treason Act, which would make it treason to override this act of succession, basically being like, let's draw a line under it. Mary and Elizabeth are in the line of succession. But then Edward was like, well, if Mary and Elizabeth aren't proper children of Henry VIII, and I'm the only child and I die childless, well, that should mean that it should go to Lady Jane Grey. And so he wrote this letter to the same effect. But the Treason Act provision preventing anyone from changing the act of succession meant that this letter from Edward, even though it was coming from the king, didn't legally have a leg to stand on. Yeah, it even sounded dodgy, didn't it? It was called my device for the succession. You know, it doesn't sound like it's even confident. It's like, here you go, guys. I've got this sort of secret, subtle plan for how we can get around the fact that it's actually Mary. Yeah, (laughs) Because he was suddenly pulling the strings behind the scenes because he was only 15 years old. Yeah. And, And, you know, vastly underestimating the public's common sense. You know, the public knew that these were the daughters of Henry VIII. And the public weren't necessarily all on Team Protestant yet either. Some Mm. of them were like, okay, well, we're Protestant now, not Catholic, but weren't so firmly attached to it as the royal court were, as all they're talking about all the time. And they were like, well, Mary should be queen. She's a Christian. Yeah. As soon as Mary knew that her half-brother was dead, she wrote a letter to the Privy Council with orders for her proclamation as Edward VI's successor. And so she assembled her military force at Framlingham Castle in Suffolk. And uh, the Duke of Northumberland, meanwhile, set out from London with his troops on July 14th. But the nobility just switched. Having sort of loosely accepted Jane, I think they must have just seen that the writing was on the wall and they went over to Team Mary. 
Yeah, well, let's let's have a queen we can tell the public is queen without having to point to any footnotes. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no devices involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Jane and her husband Guildford and several of the other conspirators went on trial in November, where Jane argued that she had accepted the crown reluctantly, which does seem to be true, but the fact that she had signed several documents as Jane mm. the Queen sealed her fate, and she was sentenced to either be beheaded or burnt. And Mary had had to deal with some, you know... I mean, she realised what it was like to be a woman in this environment being told what your future is. She mm. understood how this had come about and this was just a young woman and really she was just a pawn and she's like, I'll pardon her, it'll be fine. Yeah, and apparently the ambassador to the Holy Roman Emperor had even written back in a letter, you know, that this is definitely going to happen, they're going to pardon her, until Henry Grey, her stupid dad, her stupid, controlling, <laughs> bullying dad, joined a rebellion in January 1554 over Mary becoming engaged to Philip of Spain. The uprising was really quickly put down and this meant that any hope of mercy for Jane was quelled, which led to an absolutely brutal example of passive aggression. A letter (laughs) from Jane to her father, which has the most guilt-trip-inducing opening of all time. She says... Father, although it hath pleased God to hasten my death by you, by whom my life should rather have been lengthened, yet I can so patiently take it that I yield God more hearty thanks for shortening my woeful days. I mean, you can see how for Mary the real politic was at that point she had to intervene and sentence her to death because it was evident that Jane could again be used as a pawn by the anti-Catholic faction. Yeah, it did just seem like for Mary this was a convenient I'm sure it was true. I'm sure that there actually was a rebellion brewing, but there were always rebellions brewing and you were pretty much just knocking off the people who the, who you thought you needed to get rid of so as to kind of uh, solidify your own reign. And I'm, I'm, I'm quietly confident that even if they were the best of friends, this wouldn't <laughs> have been the worst news that she could have received, that there was a reason after all to take Jane's life because it just meant that that was a, a closed avenue that she didn't need to consider anymore. Yeah, but she was a teenage girl. She was, in her view, condemned condemning to hell because she wasn't a Catholic. I mean, that's so bad. She then sent her chaplain round, Dr. John Feckenham, with the task of converting Jane to Catholicism. Yeah, she said, thanks, no thanks. But she did befriend John Feckenham. They did get on well. And in the end, she let him accompany her to the scaffold. I don't know if that eased Mary's conscience at all. And part of the Tudor execution tradition was supposed to be a part where the wrongdoer would formally address the crowd. She did make a statement, which kind of stressed this version of herself as a reluctant pawn. Yeah, she's basically saying, I done it, but I didn't mean to do it, which actually is true. I mean, she was she was swept up in a story that was entirely beyond her. And it just is such a tragic tale. You sort of wonder what could have been achieved if she wasn't just a 16 year old and she had a little bit more um, nous about her in those nine days that she was queen. But also the public didn't know who she was. I mean, I no. ultimately, that would make it impossible to be queen, really. Well, it didn't end well for the people around her either. So Jane's father, Henry Grey, who was the Duke of Suffolk, was executed on February the 23rd in 1554. Good, <laughs> good riddance. Um, <laughs> Presumably from this day forward, though, there were like runway type lights towards the scaffold. None yeah. of this kind of like, where's the block stuff anymore? Yeah. <laughs> now... This episode first aired last year exclusively to members of Club Retrospectors. Join today and unlock a new episode this Sunday. Patreon.com slash <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.